step into the mic once again. It's your boy Andre Jones with the left hand, the big fella, UVA, the master lore, Ted Jeffries. Good morning, Ted. How you feeling? Doing well, Andre. Doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to have our our uh, esteemed guest with us today. I know you're getting ready to introduce. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. At DMV, you know we are the the destination for all the type icons from from our area. But we got to bring this brother in from Fort Washington, Maryland. Number 36 in your playbook, Ted, the great <laughs> Brian Westbrook. Brian, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, guys. How's it going? Good. Fantastic. Fantastic. Good. Now, Brian, everybody knows I'm going to go through your resume real quick. The Matha, you are the Walter Payton Award winner and from Villanova. You said crazy numbers in the NCAA. I'll let you tell that because I, I don't remember them all. You were drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, two-time pro bowler, right? Played in the Super Bowl. Brother, Hall of Fame at DeMatha, Hall of Fame at Villanova, Hall of Fame with the Eagles. I mean, man, I should sit back, just give you the mic and let you run with it. <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I tell you, things worked out for me. Um, you know, I was blessed to be able in the, to be in the right place at the right time. A lot of the opportunities that uh, popped up for me. But I, I think a big part of, being in the right place at the right time is being prepared. And luckily I was able to be around the right people to prepare me for those opportunities that, that were presented to me. And I just uh, made the most of them. And that was really the most important part of really my legacy um, through sports and through college and school and things like that as well. You know, Brian, a lot of people talk about in sports, the word adversity. That's a key word that people use. How do you get past through that? People don't know in high school, you tore your ACL. In college, you tore mm -hmm. your ACL. That did not yep. stop you. And I'm going to throw one nugget. You got a football scholarship by playing point guard for Coach Morgan Wooten. Bring us all up to speed how everything happened. Well, well, first of all, just adversity in general. I've always looked at it as a challenge. I've always looked at adversity as a, a, a setback in a way, but also a way to uh, step up. And stay. it was kind of more of a set up for me set up for an opportunity for me to better myself, to come back even stronger. And so back in 1996, um, we're practicing, I think it was over at Riverdale. Um, you know those fields over there very well. And so um, they had like a groundhog hole there. So while I was backpedaling, I step in the hole, tear my ACL. Um, you know, opposed to what's happening today, you know, with today's medicine, things like that. In 96, um, nobody, nobody wants you after you tear ACL because at that point, an ACL injury is pretty much a year long recovery process. And so, you know, being recruited as a junior, one of the better juniors in our area, I was being recruited by a lot of the bigger schools in the country and you tear your ACL. And you know, at that point, all those schools say, we don't want you anymore. All those schools say, um, you're, you're damaged goods. And so for me, it was a challenge. I mean, I tore that in the summer. I only played maybe five games my senior year. And, and, and as you guys know, your senior year is when you're putting out your highlight tape. That's when you're making your highlight tape um, of all the good things that you can do so you can send to schools so you can get a scholarship. And for me, I probably had five games of, of, of uh, you know, to pick from as far as my highlights. And so my highlight tape was probably like a, a minute long. And I just kept on replaying the plays over and over and over just to make it longer so that coaches would be interested in me. And so... When it all shook out, all the schools that were interested in me previously, uh, prior to the injury, no longer were interested in me. 
And then I had basically a scholarship offer uh, to, to the University of Richmond, to University of Maryland, and they weren't very good back in the day, and to the uh, Villanova University. And um, at that point, they all came to see me play basketball. And what ended up happening is I'm talking to Coach Wooten, and he said, listen, Villanova University is coming here to, to see you play. I think they're going to offer you a scholarship. And at that point, you know, we're, we're from the D.C. area, DMV. You know, we've seen the battle between Georgetown and Villanova back in the day, with Patrick Ewan and those boys. And we, we've seen some of those battles, John Thompson and his teams. And we know Villanova very well. They're in the Big East. And so I've watched a lot of Villanova basketball over my younger years. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked because I was a good basketball player. I wasn't a Villanova quality basketball player. And so at the time, I'm shocked. I said, I'm so glad that I'm going to get an opportunity to play basketball in college. Basketball is always my, my uh, number one love, my first love. And Coach, while I'm telling that story, Coach Wooten, you know, in his wisdom is allowing me to speak, but he's also looking at me like, what is this kid talking about? And so <laughs> I finished talking and he ends up saying, well, listen, I know you want to play basketball, but they're not here to see you play basketball. The Villanova basketball coach is not here uh, to, to, to give you a scholarship. It's actually the Villanova football coach. And my first question immediately after that was, does Villanova actually have a football program? I've never <laughs> heard of their, their football program before. And so, um, you know, it, it, it was just one of those things. And so, you know, the adverse part, obviously you're coming back from injury. Nobody thinks that you're any good anymore. And now it's about setting out to prove those people wrong. Now it's about using that chip on your shoulder to overcome that adversity. One of my college coaches have said this, and I, you know, I know a lot of people have said this before, but not only does adversity build character, it also reveals character. It reveals the things that you have inside of you. And so at that point, you pull out all those stories that your parents, your mom and your dad have taught you over the years. You pull out all those things that you've been through to get to that point, and you use it as fuel to, to push yourself forward and, you know, throughout my career, not just injuries, but setbacks in other ways as well, good games, bad games, you have to use that adversity as, as more fuel to make sure that your fire continuously burns. And it must have burned pretty bright because not only did you get to Villanova, you had another setback with a knee injury, but then yeah. you just took off. I mean, the records you set, the awards you won, and then you're being noticed by the NFL team right down the street in Andy Reid and Villanova. Take us through the whole Villanova experience and then how Andy Reid came to see a future star in you right like 30 minutes up the world. Right. Yeah. So we're, you know, Villanova's maybe in the outskirts of Philadelphia, 30 minutes from the center city. And so, you know, I get there my freshman year. I'm the second string running back. We're the number one team in the nation probably 11 weeks that year. And then we ended up losing in the playoffs. Um, and it had a good season. I had a good rookie year, freshman year. Um, no issues at all. My second year, my sophomore year, I was an All-American, you know, broke a bunch of records. I think that year I might have had, you know, close to 1,000, 1,000, 1,000 rushing yards, 1,000 receiving yards. Just just had a really good season. Um, and then my true junior year, I tore my ACL in the offseason again. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that happened, and it's kind of happened in high school as well, when things are going right, you're riding high. You know, you're riding high, things are going right. You're, you're just, the, the world is sweet. Anything is there for your taking, right? And so as a player, you know, things are just going in the right direction. I'm working out, I'm working hard, but and then you have that adversity, you have that setback. Luckily for me, this is my second time that this has happened to me. And so I just went into it with the same mindset that, that, that I'm just going to outwork whoever else was injured. 
I'm going to work harder than them. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to do the things that other people that were injured weren't willing to do. Um, that means I was doing two a days, three a days. I was rehabbing on my off day. I was rehabbing by myself. I would go back to my dorm room after a rehab session and do more because I wanted to come back stronger and better. And, and for me, it worked out. Um, so, you know, I tore my ACL that my junior year. Then my, my true senior year, my redshirt year, I was All-American again. Um, I ended up having 1,000 receiving yards, 1,000 rushing yards, I think, my senior year. Um, ended up winning the Walter Payton Award, which is the one AA equivalent to the Heisman Award. Um, you know, really the best offensive player in the country. You know, things were working out well. Um, you know, I, I was blessed. I was blessed to learn so much at Villanova. I was blessed to be in a great situation around good people there. I was able to, you know, go there and, and figure some things out. And, and I'll give you an example. You know, if I would have went to a bigger school, they probably would have made me into a DB, maybe a third down type of running back. Villanova, at being at Villanova, it allowed me to see that, you know, you can still play running back, but also we're going to teach you how to catch the ball. We're going to use you in receiver positions. We're going to allow you to learn defenses on a different level than running backs um, were able to learn at that point. Because remember, the NFL wasn't this league where, running backs run pass routes at that time. But Villanova said, okay, we're going to let you, and we're going to show you how to run pass routes. We're going to get you to understand defenses and coverages and things like that so that if you need to learn how to do that, if you need to do that in the game to help us win, you're already prepared for that. And, you know, I went on and had a really good season that year. Um, close, I had close to a, a thousand yards and kickoff returns as well. You know, th things just went well. I was blessed, um, you know, to be honest with you, Andre. It's just, you know, things went well. I was prepared. Again, it was another opportunity for me. But again, you have to be prepared. You have to have put in the work. And one thing that I, I find with some of our youngsters now is that they want to skip the work part. They right. want to skip the part that makes you. They want to skip the adversity part. They don't want to have any adverse times. When adversity comes, they're flustered, they're done. They want to skip that. And I try to tell you, tell, tell all the kids that I talk to, that's not the part that you want to skip. That's the part that you grow from. That's the part that you learn from. That's the part that actually makes you. Because in life, as you guys know, and I'm 40, 41 years old now, you have highs and lows. You have good times and bad times, right? And during the good times, you keep riding high, but you also got to understand there may be a bad time. There may be a low. And at that point, now you got to draw on, you got to put on that energy, that same type of strength that allowed you to get to those high points, those high times. And so, for me, it was just a it was a roller coaster ride as far as in college, um, but it, it made the made me the man that I that I am, and I also believe that through that adverse times, I was able to build a callus, a chip on my shoulder that uh, that anything that was going I was going to face in my life, I was prepared for, um, and you know that that was just part of that process. And luckily for me, um, throughout my career there, I went to a lot of banquets, won a lot of awards, things like that. And during that time, I was able to run into Andy Reid, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, a bunch of times. And throughout those, those run-ins, those meetups at those awards banquets, I would just have conversations with him about why is the NFL doing this with their running backs and what are your thoughts on this play and that play? And for me, it was more so trying to get knowledge from him and get understanding, not necessarily trying to sell myself, but he saw it as, you know what? I see a young kid that's hungry for knowledge that wants to know more, the skill set matches that, and he's someone that can help us win football games. And the last award ceremony that, that Andy Reid and I attended together, uh, you know, I said my speech and everything, and he comes up next. And he says, you know, you see that guy over there? 
we're going to draft him. That guy from Villanova, we're going to draft him. And so we're in the draft process, and I'm like, what? I mean, that's just crazy. I'm going to get drafted by Andy <laughs> Reid. He's saying it now. And, 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 you know, you kind of, you hear things like that all the time when you're going through the draft process. We'll draft you. Don't worry. If you're there for us, we'll draft you. Um, luckily for me, um, I was around in the third round and was able to go to an organization led by a great head coach that can bring out all the good things that I was able to do. Ryan, that's the perfect segue. You know, I want, you know, one of the most uh, anxious nights of a, a, a college athlete's uh, life is draft night. You know, you have all of these accolades. You are, you know, one, you know, one of the best of the best out there. So talk about your draft night experience. You've already had this conversation where, you know, Andy Reid has laid down the gauntlet and said, you know, this is going to happen. Um, but you never know what's going to happen. Talk right. about your draft night experience and what type of anxiety you had around that. Or was there any? Well, I had a bunch of anxiety. I mean, you, I think like every player you think, I mean, I was a, the, the best offensive player in one double A, which leaves you that one A tier, the, the best of the best, the Miami, the Florida State, the Florida, the big schools, Oklahoma, all those schools. And so, um, you know, lucky for me, I was able to compete against a lot of those guys at the Senior Bowl and the Hula Bowl. So I had some time against those guys. But back in the day, back in, nine, back in 2002, when I got drafted, they had the first three rounds on TV, right? The first three rounds were the first day. And, and so I started watching the draft. It would come on at 12 noon and it wouldn't be over until midnight, right? And so I started watching the draft. And at that point, I didn't know where I was going to get drafted at. The, most people had projected me between the second and fifth round. So uh, I was hoping closer to the second uh, opposed to the fifth. Um, and so we sit down, me and my dad, we sit downstairs in our, the house that we grew up in in Fort Washington start watching the draft and we start at 12, you know, one, two, three, then by, by three o'clock, I guess the second round is on. And so my dad looks at me and, you know, we haven't got drafted yet. And he kind of, I'm not, I'm not frustrated. I'm just like, okay, I'm anxious. And he said, you want a beer? I said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I said, absolutely. Um, and so we, we shared the beer together and just, you know, it was one of those father son moments that you just sitting there watching, and it was a beautiful thing for me now, now that I think back. And then my boys started coming over around four, my family, my friends, and then my homeboys. The next thing you know, four beers turned into five, five <laughs> beers turned into six. And I ended up getting a call from this unknown number right about 10, 10, 15 that night. And by this time, six beers turned into a dog on 12, right? So I mean, <laughs> at this point, we're, we're, we're just enjoying the night. Because, uh, again, we didn't know the draft or how, how it was going to turn out. And so I get the call. I'm like, hello? And it was Mark Ross, um, a brother from the, the Eagles. He was a head of the scouting department there. And he said, we're going to draft you. Are you ready? And I'm just like, I'm 12 beers in now. I remember that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, what? You're going to draft me? And so Andy Reid gets on the phone. And um, it was the best moment of my life, you know, just being able to hear that, first of all, you hear your name called on TV. You hear the coach on the other line, like, listen, we got plans for you. We, we know exactly how to use you. We're going to use you to your to, to the utmost of your ability. And to hear it being in the same city that you went to college in, for me, it was just, it was a, a moment made in heaven for me. And I, of course, I was surrounded by my family, my friends, my brother, my father, my mom, and all my good friends and family. Um, it, it, was, it was perfect. And uh, something that I'll never forget. It was just a, it was a great moment for myself and my family as well. So Brian, then you get there and, and now you have this innovative coach, West Coast offense, 
genius. Then you have mentors, Brian mm -hmm. Mitchell, Deuce Staley, right? Yeah. So now you come in again, you don't have to be the man off the bat. You can learn, grow, and then take off. Talk about the relationship of Andy Reid once you actually got to the Eagles and then the relationship with Deuce and Brian Mitchell because Brian Mitchell tells me all the time, he's your big brother and I just yeah. go in one end out the other. I just don't listen to that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what he tells me all the time. So one of the things, well, well, well B Miss, first of all, that's my man. I'm, I'm talking about, I wouldn't be here um, if it wasn't for, for B Mitch um, and his tutelage, his guidance. Um, B Mitch saw something in me that, you know, you, you hear your parents say some things like this sometimes. They, they see something in you that you may not even see in yourself. B Mitch right. saw in me a guy that was hungry for, hungry for knowledge. We, we, you know, we stayed together in training camp. And, and B Miss tells us, tell me this story all the time. He said, You just wouldn't leave me the hell alone. You kept on asking me questions and questions and questions. And every night, why do you do this? And why do you do this? And, and why do you do that? And, and to me, it was all about I got to be a thief of knowledge. I got to get everything I can from a guy that I think is, should be in the Hall of Fame. I need to know what he knows in his 13th year, whatever it was. I need to know that right now in my rookie year. So I, you know, I, I, I worried the piss out of B. Mitch every single day. Um, Deuce, another great mentor of mine, a guy that led me on the field. This is how you be a professional. This is the things that you do every single day to, to work on your craft. Dorsey Levins, he would wake me up every morning and say, okay, let's get on the treadmill. We're going to run 10 sprints on the treadmill. I mean, I had guys around me that just showed me the ropes continuously. I'll never forget. And I remember B. Mitch, he played a little bit, very little bit of offense. So he made, because he was a special teams guy, return guy, and he was the man, one of the best in the league at the time, if not the best in the league. He, B. Mitch would get up every day. It seemed like 4.30, 5 o'clock. We wouldn't practice, wouldn't start till 8.30. He would get up 4.30, 5 o'clock, go get breakfast, and then go work out before practice. Now, this is in the dog days of two a day. This is when we're running and it's 95 degrees outside. And this was back in the two days where you actually hit and you tackle to the ground. Um, but he would wake up every single day and go work out. I'm chasing that guy. I'm chasing the Hall of Famer in my mind. I'm following his footsteps. Th that's what it was all about for me, trying to figure out how to be great, how to figure out how to do the right thing, how to be a pro. That's why I followed those guys. And, and for me as a rookie, it was, you don't need to talk. You don't need to be, you know, out doing all this crazy stuff. You need to listen to these guys. And if you're talking, you're asking these guys questions so that you can get some information. Um, so it, it was just a great environment for me to learn, great environment for me to grow up in, to learn how to be a professional. And, you know, Andy Reid was a big part of that as well. Andy was all about go study. Go learn everything you can about the offense. Learn your position. Learn the receiver position. Learn what the offensive line is doing. Learn what the defense, how they react to you. You know, for, for me, it was that rookie year was all about gathering information, putting it all into the system, and then figuring out how I can be best used in that system. Um, and, and eventually, Andy Reid figured out how to best use me with, with being able to run the ball and catch it out of the backfield as well. Talk about, you know, life after football now. You know, you have an incredible testimony, you know what I mean, to, to, to have survived and gone through multiple adversities and to and achieve, uh, you know, tremendous success. Uh, you know, some will say a Hall of Fame career as far as the NFL is concerned. Now, how is all of that transfer now to life after football and, and, and how are you using your celebrity, uh, you know, and, and to help others? 
Well, Ted, I appreciate you saying that. I, 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 I'm a couple years short of being in, even considered for the Hall of Fame, but I was nominated a couple years ago, which I think was cool for me and my family. Um, you know, I, I believe the Hall of Fame is the best of the best. And even though I think I had a pretty decent career, a couple of years here and there probably would make a difference there. But, you know, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, life after football for me has been really good. Um, I was told my rookie year by Troy Vincent, who is now the second guy in, in command in the NFL underneath Roger Goodell. He said, listen, what do you want to do next? And I, as a rookie, I'm 22 years old. I'm like, you know, what I want to do right now is focus on this football thing because that's where I'm at right now. He was like, no, 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 no. You, you're looking at it all wrong. You got to use this game to help propel you into what you want to do next. And, you know, the saying is your parents get smarter as you get older. And that's because the things that they've been teaching you all along, now you can put them to good use. Now they make sense more to you, right? And so as a young man, when Troy was telling me that, I was like, yeah, Troy, you're just an old head talking that old head stuff. You know how old heads do. They always trying to tell you things that don't really are, are they're not relevant to you. But there was so much wisdom in the, in, in the question and in the statement that eventually I started thinking, okay, what do I want to do next? And as a player, you have so many opportunities to connect with people. As a player, the saying is that, you know, as a player, you call somebody, they call you right back. After your career, they ain't calling back. They may take a couple of weeks if they even call you back at all. And so um, I began to use my career to kind of leverage of what I wanted to do next. And to be honest with you, I still wasn't very sure. I knew I wanted to be in business. My, my degree is in business. I went to, I, I got an executive business degree from Wharton over there at UPenn. Um, and so I, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And after the game was over, after my nine years in the NFL, I just began talking about football. People wanted me to come on their shows and tell them what I see. What are the things that you see in this game? What is it? Well, how do you handicap it? How do you feel about this game? And, you know, as a young man, I, I started going on Comcast. I know you guys remember Comcast, Comcast back in the day. Andre, I know you were there. So, you know, I started going on, on Comcast and started talking football. And it kind of brought you back to your younger days as far as a player. I mean, as a young player, you're green. You don't know very much. Uh, you're trying to figure things out. And for me, as a young analyst, my speech, my speech pattern was terrible. I'm using words that only me and my boys know what the meaning is. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it just takes time. They, they, what they say in the business, that it takes reps to, to perfect your craft. And same thing with football. Same thing with life. And, and I tell people all the time, football sports is just, it's life. You're going to have adversity in your nine to five. There are people that go to work every single day that have adversity, that have to find a way to overcome that. The same way that I had to find a way to overcome adversity in football. So now I was back to learning. I was back to my rookie year following B. Mitch around um, uh, as far as in Comcast down there in D.C., pulling on his coattail. B, why do you say this and why did you say it like that? What are the things that you were thinking when you went into that? Again, B. Mitch is down there. He's a staple um, in D.C. when you're talking about sports, period. Not just football, but sports, period. Um, again, I'm following his footsteps in, in that role again. And so for me, at that point, began talking football, was on CBS, NBC, NFL Network, uh, Fox Sports 1 now. Um, and so now we're just perfecting my craft, just getting better and finding my niche of where I want to talk about sports. Um, but but now, you know, you know, as a family man, I got three doggone kids, seven, four, and two. I'm married. Um, life is totally different than the, the bachelor days back in the day. 
but it's so much better. I'm so much more fulfilled. And now when I talk about the things I did in football and what I'm focused on today, of course, I love talking sports. I can do that all day long with my eyes closed. I watch football all day here on this TV, just trying to find different angles to talk about. But the most important thing to me is legacy. What's the legacy that I'm leaving behind, not only for my kids, because that's the most important thing to me, but for everyone behind me to follow. What's the thing that you can do to help? And I think we're in this day and age with, with, with African-Americans and just all people that if, if, if I'm not willing to help, then how can I ask somebody else to help? And so now what we've done with my wife and I, uh, we built the Brian Westbrook Foundation and we're operating it out of my horse farm there in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And really it's all about giving back to underprivileged youth. It's all about saying, okay, we know where you're trying to go. We know we, that you wanna be a productive member in society. Let me tell you how to be successful. Number one thing, you can make a million dollars and be unsuccessful. And this is how you do it. You make a million dollars and you spend a million and one dollars, guess what? You're unsuccessful, <laughs> right. period. I don't care right. how you do it. I said, but conversely, you can make $50,000 a year. You can save five. You can pay all your bills, take care of all everything that you're supposed to, and you're a success. That's how you be successful. Let me show you how to do it. There's an equation for it. Your hard work plus your sacrifice plus your discipline equals you're going to be successful in any walk of life. I don't care what it is, sports, business, uh, electricity, uh, being an electrician, being a, uh, any type of entrepreneur, you will be successful if you follow that principle. And so our idea is we bring the kids in. Of course, we, our carrot is we're going to show you how to ride horses. We're going to teach you all about horses. We'll talk to you about sports. We have guest speakers come in and talk to them about sports and everything um, that, that the sports entail. But the bigger picture for me is that less than 1% of the kids that we're going to have in our pro program, less than 1% of the kids around the world are ever going to play professional sports. So I need to give you some real world knowledge. I need to give you something that you, something tangible that you can hold on to. So we're bringing in electricians. We're bringing in carpenters. We're bringing in financial guys. We're bringing in people that, that, that do all different walks of life. So we can input this into our kids. We have to show them that you can be successful doing all these other things. You can start as a small time electrician and build your business now that you have other people working underneath you. You can do that. We have the ability to do that. And, and for us, the same way it took me to see B. Mitch and Deuce and Coach Reed to understand what I can do and realize my potential. Now, hopefully we can use that horse farm and those other people that we're bringing in, the guest speakers, the people that can provide job opportunities and leadership opportunities for our children. Hopefully we can use them as mentors for our young kids so they can see how successful that they can be in life as well. And, and to me, that's what it's all about. It's about that legacy of helping our community. And, and that's what I want to leave here um, as far as when I leave this earth. That, that's our purpose. Andre, I don't, I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinting, but uh, starting this week is Les Brown. It's uh, Mr. Brian Westbrook, motivational no speaker. No question. Fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, look, hey, look Ted, I, I've seen Brian come up from when he was at DeMatha, loved him at DeMatha, Villanova. And, you know, I got this 30 jersey behind me, but he didn't send me a 36. So if I had a 36, he'd be behind me. That's, that's a little man. plug there. But, be, but And we're not going to keep you much longer, but Hearing you talk is is awesome, and 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 I want to ask you about the horse farm. But this question came to me, you know, the joy of when you play. You not only represented you, you represented your family. Your father was mm -hmm. your first coach. 
that joy of taking your father to a Pro Bowl, that joy of taking your parents to a Super Bowl, that joy of everything you've done with them. Can you put that into words? When you sit there, you said their words mean more to you now, but do you sit down and say, man, you know, all this is because of you and thank yeah. you. You know, um, it's, uh, it's hard to talk about my parents without getting emotional because, you know, they were, when as, as a younger age, in my mind, my role models were guys that I saw on TV, Michael Jordan and, you know, Magic and those guys. And the truth was, they never were. Those were guys, I, I appreciated their skill level. I appreciate what they were able to do in the sport. But all along, my parents were my role models. They were the ones that set the standard for me. They were the ones that kept me online, on task, kept me focused. I'll never forget, but it was my eighth grade year. We're in the championship in Boys and Girls Club basketball. My mother was like, yeah. Well, we just got your progress report and you got a C and you ain't playing in the championship game. My dad's the coach. I'm the starting point guard. I'm like, excuse me, this is an important game. And she's like, listen, here's a standard, A's and B's. And if I don't hold you to the standard now, then all the standards, all the preaching that we've done, it's out the window. So guess what? You ain't playing. It hurt me to my core, hurt me to, I mean, my, you know, as a young man back in the day, all we had, we ain't had video games like that. All we had was a sport. And so it hurt me to the core, but it also taught me that nothing's more important than your education. And I tell kids that all the time. I love sports. I, I, I was able to amass, you know, a, a good chunk of money. I was able to build myself in the community because of sports. But now I got to realize that it's my mind that's going to take me to the next level. And that's something they can never take away. They, my knees could have ended my sporting career long ago, but they can never take my mind away. And that's what my mother was trying to teach me. And so the standard that my parents set, um, the goals that they, they, they placed in front of me, uh, the, the environment that they put me in to be successful means the world to me. And, and being able to take them to the Pro Bowl and on vacations and Super Bowl, to me, that's the least that I could do. I, I can't give them a mu enough to repay them for what they are, what they did in my life. And really, as a 41-year-old man, my mother calls me every dog one day. I talk to my mother every day, and she's still telling me what to do. <laughs> you need to be doing this, you need to do that. You need to, you need to tell that boy to do this, talking about my son. And so it's um it's 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 just great to be around. My dad is at my farm every single day, taking care of everything down there. I, I wouldn't be the man that I am today um without my parents. And and I truly mean that. And the good thing for them. The great thing for me is that they've accepted my group, my large group of friends as their sons. And so they actually go over to my parents' house more than I do at times. <laughs> and so um, it's just, it's, it's been a thing of beauty. I can't, I just, you know, I can't um, put into words strongly enough um, how, how much they've meant to me and what they've done for me as far as my life. All right. And now we're, we're going to let you go, but Ted, I got to put Brown on the hot seat. I got five questions, Bree. Get ready. Sizzling up. Here we go. Go-go music or house music? Go-go music, no question. Not even close. <laughs> I'll I mean, I, I tell you this. I wouldn't even listen to house music. I, there, there's that as well. But go-go, there's no doubt about it. Oh, hold up, hold up. Before before you go, let me let me put a little segue in that. Philly rap game, go-go music. Go-go music. I'm, 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 I listen, I was born and raised in a DMV. You know that. <laughs> that, that that's the way it's going to be. Go-go music, of course. Ben's Chili Bowl or Philly cheesesteak? Ben's Chili Bowl, again, same same thing. I'm a hometown boy, Ben's Chili Bowl. This, 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 the, uh, the steak and cheese up in Philly, that's good. It's nothing like your hometown food. 
best advice, Andy Reid or Coach Morgan Wooten? Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Both of them had big time impacts on my life. I think Andy Reid got me as a closer to a man. So I would have to say Coach Wooten. I mean, he taught me so many dog things. Be quick, but don't hurry. You know, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. There's so many things that he just drilled into my head in those three years that I was with him on that basketball team that I'm, I'm repeating to my kids every single day. You know, every, don't wait till tomorrow for something that you can do today. I just, had, just said that to my daughter early this morning. So, I mean, those things are drilled in. Best coach ever, uh, Coach Morgan Wooten. All right, now here we go. It gets hot, B. It gets hot. Uh, Mahomes or Brady? Ooh. It's hard. It's hard to look past 10 Super Bowl appearances and six wins. Um, but if, if you were going to look past it, you're going to look past it for the type of talent that Patrick Mahomes has and his ability to win at a young age. Clutch gene, he has that. I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. My man. Now, here's the one. You might have to move after this one. <laughs> Philly fans or D.C. fans? There it is, B. There it is. I, I love my hometown, but Philly fans on a whole different level. I'm talking about <laughs> knowledge of the game. Uh, I'm talking about support. They'll let you know when you're doing good or bad. I mean, as, as much as they cheer you, let you fumble. They'll be booing you the same way, but it's all out of love and respect. Uh, I, I got to go Philly fans there. All right, all right. And, and B, before you go, man, you said you stand with your legacy, man. We want to thank you. You know, Ted's my guy. I idolize Ted watching him play. I idolize you watching you play. You're the best. I mean, this has been awesome. And we thank you for stepping to the mic, bro. Real talk. Great. Thanks so Great. much, guys. I, I appreciate appreciate you guys having me on. I'd love to come back, man. I'd love to come back and talk some more football and what's going on in the world as well. We'll get Dino to make it happen. Sounds good, brother. Take care. All right. Thank That's you. Nice. Thank you.